Hello, my name is Sean Thomas Radcliffe. Welcome to this episode of Preservation Oaks. In this series, we introduce you to yet another extraordinary organization serving their community by conserving and preserving our heritage. It could be an organization in your community, in your county, or in your state. Now sit back and relax and enjoy the program. Good day, everyone. This is Sean Thomas Radcliffe coming to you from Salt Lake City, and this is Preservation Oaks, the internationally syndicated original talk program on MicroStream Radio, where we feature interviews with professionals from museums, historical and genealogical societies across the United States. Welcome to the first month of 2022. My prayer for everyone across the world is that COVID goes away we all get back to normal, and that God takes good care of us all and keeps the world in peace and tranquility. It's been 83 years since 1939 and the last world war. Let's pray as world leaders envisioned at the time that since then, mankind has found better ways of dealing with each other rather than killing one another and destroying entire societies. At Preservation Oaks, we believe people want to have a better understanding of these precious organizations, how they're funded, how each is unique to the communities they serve, what programs and events they currently have underway, what services they offer to the public and their members, and we have confidence that this information is vital for people to know how to work with these organizations and how important it is to join, support, volunteer with, and donate to one or more of these core societies. All right, let's get this show snapping. This episode will be released on January 17, 2022, which is the observation of our national holiday for Martin Luther King. Reverend King was born on January 15, 1929. He was instrumental in African Americans getting basic civil rights. He organized and led many peaceful marches for the voting right of blacks, desegregation, labor rights, and other basic civil rights. His efforts bore fruit when the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the 1965 Voting Rights Act were passed, and most of these rights were enacted into law. Martin became the youngest recipient of the Nobel Peace Prize. On October 14, 1964, Martin received the Nobel Peace Prize for leading nonviolent resistance to racial prejudice in the U.S., At the age of 35, he was the youngest recipient of the award at that time. Reverend King achieved success using nonviolent methods of protest. He was inspired by Mahatma Gandhi's success with nonviolent activism. 
His trip to India made him understand nonviolent resistance better, and he was convinced that that was the only effective way forward for achieving civil rights for American blacks. King was hugely successful in achieving his goals through civil disobedience and other such practices. This enhanced the stature of nonviolent methods of protest throughout the world. Two final comments. Number one, there's a monument to Reverend King in the U.S. Capitol, Washington, D.C. I encourage all of you to take a look at it on the interwebs. It is beautiful. And number two, the other day as I was preparing for this episode, I was on the Internet Archives site and they have an audio recording of Reverend King's famous I Have a Dream speech. Well, like everybody else, I think, the only thing I remembered about that speech was the part we always hear about the content of one's character versus the color of a person's skin, which I totally agree with. The speech on the Internet Archive was longer than I remembered, and so I listened to the entire speech. I highly encourage everyone to go and give that entire speech a listen. It's truly amazing for that time in history and for any speech that I've heard from leaders in my lifetime. You won't be sorry you did. It's well worth the time to listen. Let me know in the comments what you think of the entire speech, okay? Thanks. Some historical January birthdays and thought-provoking facts. Number one is Edward Teller. He was an American physicist who is known as the father of the hydrogen bomb. On January 11, 1755... Alexander Hamilton was born. Uh, he was one of the founding fathers of the United States and the very first Secretary of the Treasury of the United States under George Washington's administration. He authored the majority of the economic policies of that administration, and those policies still, even today, affect the U.S. government. He tragically died of a gunshot wound during a duel to death with Vice President Aaron Barr in 1804. On January 15, 1892, the inventor of basketball, James Naismith, published his rules for the game in Triangle Magazine. On January 15, 2001, the free online encyclopedia Wikipedia went online for the first time. On January 11, 1878, and this is hard to believe because I thought it was much earlier than that. But on January 11, 1878, milk was delivered in New York City in glass bottles for the first time. On January 11, 1964, Luther L. Terry, a Surgeon General of the United States, revealed the finding that there was a link between lung cancer and smoking. Here's a couple jokes. You know you're a genealogist if you've ever repurposed your dining room table and you panic at anyone going near it. A bit of advice, don't take life seriously. Every genealogist knows nobody gets out alive. Next on Preservation Oaks program, or our next program, we'll be meeting with Emily Thabes from the Beltrami Historical Society in Bemidji, Minnesota. That should be a good show. You can follow Preservation Oaks on preservationoaks.podbeam, P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, and Audible Apple Podcasts. Tune in iHeartRadio, Player FM, and listen notes under MicroStream Radio, Preservation Oaks, Sean Thomas Radcliffe, or Sean Radcliffe. You can email us at preservationoaks at gmail.com. All right. 
You know, eating is something everyone has to do to stay alive. It's one of the most powerful instincts we humans possess, and yet many people believe groceries come from the grocery store, when nothing could be further from the truth. Groceries come from agriculture, and a good way to familiarize yourself with working the land, raising animals, and how groceries are produced is by visiting a place that can tell the story of agriculture and history both. Today we greet Melody Lager, the president of the Heartland Museum in Clarion, Iowa. Here's a brief biography of our guest. Melody Lager is a native of Wright County, graduating from Clarion High School. During her school years, she was a 4-H member. Her working life was spent first with the Iowa Medicaid Project and then clinic manager for several clinics. When Melody retired, she watched for a role that complemented her love of antiques. Then she learned about an employment opportunity with the Heartland Museum. She was hired as a support resource by former president Mary Teshdal in 2017. When Mary retired, Melody was asked to fill the role as president. Thus began a whirlwind of getting things done. She very much enjoys working with such a tremendous board of directors. A love of antiques led Melody to this job, and now she creates the website, the newsletters, press releases, rallies museum members and the community to support the museum, and on and on. Welcome, Melody, to Preservation Oaks. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I've really been looking forward to today's show because you have such an important role in your community by telling the story of the area, agriculture, and an era or two gone by in history and, of course, the wonderful museum you manage. So let's dive in. What can you tell everybody about the Heartland Museum and the communities nearby, Melody? Well, we are a unique regional museum. While we have an emphasis on restored tractors and farm machinery, we also have a large inventory of horse-drawn equipment, including buggies, farm and construction toys, and a recreation of main streets in the Victorian age, the 1930s, and the 1950s. And this includes our tribute to Alvina Sellers, Iowa's hat lady. Plus, we have the one-room schoolhouse where the 4-H emblem was born. Local communities include Belmont, who have an active museum also. Mm -hmm. And Clarion, which I will mention, was platted as a midpoint between Belmont and Goldfield, the exact middle of a county. I think we're the only county seat in the exact middle of a county. Oh, the cool. courthouse, however, is two blocks off center because the exact center of the county at one time was very swampy. The city of Dows is small, but they have a lovely mercantile building, with, uh, which is old, and you can get access to several older buildings in their area. Eagle Grove has a little museum of their own. Galt is almost dead, but... They used to have pickle days in Galt, and I thought that was very interesting when I read about it because the p farmers would pick the cucumbers, bring them to town, and they would sit in open vats, and they would make pickles out of them. Wow. And luckily, now, remember I just said open vat. Okay, think of birds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I think they wash the pickles. <laughs> and then Goldfield was platted as Liberty. It was one of the first populated, and they have an old log home there, a little museum. Rowan has their little museum, which is open by appointment, and Woolstock was working on starting a museum of their own. Wow, that's nice. Yeah. And we have about 20 ghost towns if you want to make the route around Wright County looking for ghost towns. Now, do you exhibit at any of those other museums? 
No, we're pretty much all on our own. At one time, the museum, the Heartland, was set up to have something from each town. But as time has gone on, each town has developed their own museum. And we've got rooms named after the different towns, but the stuff is now in their own town. Well, thank you for that. I had read that, and I could be wrong, so please correct me, but I I had read that Clarion, the city, was named after the Clarion River in Pennsylvania? No, not not at all. No? Um, It actually, Clarion started out as Grant, and then they found out there was another Grant in Iowa, and we became Clarion, but I've never heard that it was named after a river. Yeah, I read that somewhere on the web. Okay. It's possible. That's something I've never heard. Hey, how did the museum start? We were founded in 1999, and there was five groups in Wright County that banded together to try to create this tribute to our heritage. The one was a tractor collector, and then the Clarion Arts people, the Wright County Historical Society, a teddy bear enthusiast, and I was Hat Lady. And they are responsible for getting the museum underway. They're responsible for a lot of the stuff we have. And we like to pay tribute to those people whenever we can because some of them are gone now. Yeah, yeah, that's too bad. So 1999, it was founded by five groups in Wright County? Correct. Wow. That's a lot of nice support to have when you're starting up, especially. You're not like pushing a rock uphill, right? Right. And these five were all originally from Clarion. The groups were, so that helped out with fundraising to start with, too. As I looked on the Google Street View, I saw, and I think I got it from your website, too, there's a picture of sort of a facade of, you know, a street, kind of an old street scene. What's that? That is the main part of the museum, and it was made to look like the former opera house in Clarion plus business friends. This spring, we hope to have handmade signs hanging in front describing some of what is inside, thanks to a Wright County charitable grant. That's cool. Just the tractors alone, you've got 80 or 90 tractors. I mean... Yeah, they keep moving in and out, and I lose track of how many I've got. (laughs) Yeah, it's wonderful. And who maintains all of those? I mean, I I know there's not much maintenance, or I would suspect (laughs) there's not much maintenance, because they're all nicely painted. I mean, they're beautiful. Um, Yeah, they're all restored. Yeah. Um. They are owned by Larry Mosdom from Clarion, Iowa. Yeah. Larry was in the tiling trade for years and retired. And he was the tractor enthusiast that wanted to display his tractors. And it was a wise choice and decision on his part. So the tractors are actually owned by Larry. And Melanie, his wife, owns our buggies. And Melanie takes care of every spring. She comes out and everything is dusted, swept up dried off and made to look sharp. Nice. What's the mission of the museum? I mean, I know you've got tractors and you've got sort of two or three eras there and beautiful streets within the museum complex. Um, They're streets, the street scenes, that's what we call them. Yeah, street scenes. So, but what's your but what's your actual mission? Um, we want to preserve our history and hopefully add to it as time goes along. We've got everything from about 1850 through 1950 right now. Okay. I keep saying it's time to add the 60s and 70s because yeah. that's the age group that is retiring and doing some traveling, and we don't have any room. I do not have a speck of space to use. Ah, so listeners, we need room at the Heartland Museum for <laughs> the 60s and the 70s. Yeah, true. Yeah. 
You got any grants coming up that'll help you with that? Not that I've seen. We're looking for anywhere from 200 to 700,000 rough guess to put up another building. We've worked off and on with different steel building companies in the area. We've had quotes up to about 700,000. Wow. That was two years ago. And that was to build a pretty large red shed to add on to the current red shed. And we thought about a balcony to add more room to it. But with the prices of lumber right now, I don't know if I'd be happy if we could just get a building up and electricity run and maybe the concrete floor and then build out later. Yeah. 700,000. Wow. That's. Yeah. They're not cheap. Yeah. I I didn't even imagine it would be that much for one of the metal buildings, right? The metal buildings. You probably still have to insulate it and all that, right? Right. And that the building itself isn't so bad. It's the insulation. It's running heat. It's running electricity, concrete floor, you know, and if we do add a balcony, that's a whole nother line of expenses. Yeah. And then you've got the actual build out on top of that. So. And then you've got to take all those artifacts out of storage and, and move them (laughs) (laughs) and dust them and clean them and, you know. Right. And then we start arguing over, okay, who's going where with what? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Hey, what's coming up on her on the horizon? I know you mentioned a building, but what else is going on? What what goals do you have for 2022 that the audience can help with? Okay, well, we have one or two used book sales that I started about four years ago. Then we use that as a small fundraising event and people donate their books to us. We set them out. We sell them for 50 cents for soft cover and a dollar for hard cover. Those are very popular. We've had anywhere from 400 to 700 dollars there. A big thing this May we're hoping to have is an open house murder mystery. I have a gentleman who lives in Eagle Grove who is very interested in putting on a murder mystery based on a murder that happened in Clarion in the late 1800s. So he's taken some liberty with the actual story and made it quite the event. I'm hoping to work with him when I get back to Iowa and we can get this set up and underway. Oh, that's fantastic. We've also, yeah, we've got tuna displays. And I'm thinking we're going to have a weekend extravaganza for those. They are both very unique, very pretty. And we need to really honor the two guys who donated stuff to us. We're having a name our horse contest as part of a grant that we got or the last of the money from the historical society. We've always wanted a fiberglass horse that we could use to hitch a buggy to. Yeah. And we got him, and he's a pretty sorrel, and we need a name for him other than horse. So we're going to have a little contest for the kids. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And then we hope to have uh, presentations on barns, the Civil War, and geocaching. I've talked to three different people. I'm going to see what we can get set up for the summer, and I try to do about one a month. Now, is geocaching, I mean, I just vaguely understand that. Is that where you go hide some treasure or something? Yes. Yes, it is. And we have a geocaching site at the Heartland Museum. And it used to be really popular. Um, I will say it's still got some popularity. You can download an app for it. You can search for things. And when you find the geocache, you take something out and you put something in. And the geocaches I've seen have been anywhere from headbands to you know a pair of scissors to a (laughs) coin you know you just don't know what you're going to find and it's just trinkets yeah it sounds like a lot of fun though for the kids 
It can be. Yeah. Or even the adults. Yeah. yeah. We just got to get the word out that we've got a site. Yeah. Fantastic. Hey, do you have any uh, interesting stories? First of all, let me ask you this. How many artifacts would you say you have total? Do you I have cannot, those in a database or anything? I cannot even begin to guess. We do have past perfect software and they started adding the items. Yeah. But um, not everything, we don't know where it came from. <laughs> it just right. appeared. Right. For one instance, one day I have came to work and there was two or three cow hides all finished up and just sitting there. And I have no idea who donated them all. They're gorgeous. They're displayed back in our ag hall in a buggy, but we just don't know. Right. If we know who the donor is, they do get a confirmation letter and we assign a number to the item because we are a 501c3. They can do something with their taxes. Right. Absolutely. My second question leading into that was, all these artifacts that you have, you know, you've been through them. Are there any really interesting ones or funny, funny stories that you can share with the audience? I've been here about five years, and I know in the past the museum did fall festivals and a few Christmas events. Perhaps one of the most attended was a recreation of a trial that was in Wright County. In 1937, a farmer shot a youth who was trespassing, oh. and youth died. And they also had a recreation of a 1905 dinner, and our building used to be part of a hatchery in, here in town. Okay. I think of all the, oh gosh, we got so many rare and unique tractors, I can't even begin to tell you. But one thing that sticks in my mind is a garland buggy that was donated to us. The gentleman who donated it to us it was a really amazing, one of those once-in-a-lifetime things and that happened. The buggy was owned by a lady from Webster City, Iowa. She was killed in an auto accident. The buggy sat for about 50 years with nothing being done oh, to it. Wow. And her granddaughter got the buggy. Her granddaughter and her husband lived on a farm east of Rowan, in rental house that my grandparents used to live in. So that was a little bit unusual. And the Garland buggy is, as far as we know, the only one in existence. Wow. Lowell, the gentleman who owned the Garland, did a lot of research. I have a three-ring binder of research on it, and he could never find another Garland buggy out there. That's so that's nice. probably... One of my favorite items, anyway. And that's like a snow sleigh, right? Like wintertime? Yeah. Yeah, a cutter is a one-horse open sleigh. Oh, nice. <laughs> that would have been used way back in, well, I don't know when it, it probably could have been used up until, what, the 1950s or something? On a regular well, basis? That part, particular sleigh was in storage at that point in time. Oh, the Garland nice. Company was only in existence for three years. Wow. And I think if I'm remembering my history right, around 1903 or so, and then the lady at Webster City purchased it, she used it, and it was restored probably 80s, 90s by Lowell and his wife, Betty, okay. and they um, they used it, and now it sits in our display area. Oh, fantastic. Thank you for that. Yeah. So you've got... You've got the main museum with streets. I mean, it's beautiful. Anybody you know, out there, just, you know, go to the museum's website and take a look at everything that 
they have to offer. They, it's just a beautiful thing. How long would you say it takes to actually do justice and tour the museum? We recommend that people save two hours of time. Okay. It can be done in an hour if you breeze through and don't look, you know, really closely at anything or stop to read anything. You can do it in an hour. Anybody that's done in an hour usually stops at the front desk and says, I'll be back later when yeah. I have more time. <laughs> yeah. So we've had people stay four or five hours. We've had them come up to the front and say, can we go out for lunch and then come back? And the answer is yes. So, can I camp yeah. there? Uh, (laughs) we have campsites but lake cornelia has campsites and they're about six miles away okay because it would take me a while to go through that i'd want to look at everything yeah it's just so beautiful you wouldn't miss a thing if you took a couple days that's for sure we have to laugh because we've been there and some of us have been there 20 years but every now and then some things like i've never noticed that before (laughs) when did that come and it's something that's been there that we just hadn't noticed. So, yeah, it can take a lot of time. Yeah, it's wonderful. Uh, how does somebody donate to the museum? We have several ways to donate to. And we've got a friends of the museum that we try to send out a card once a year and ask for different donations. We'll take whatever people want to give us monetarily. But we do have the patron, which is $100, advocate was... 250 champion at 500 and legacy at a thousand those people we send some complimentary passes to they get gift shop discounts they're listed on our website they're in our newsletter and we really appreciate their constant giving of money to us well it's a nice Um, range for people you know yeah that's really nice we'll take anything we have a little donation jar out that people sometimes drop change or whatever and we're happy to accept those we've also got a building fund that anybody that donates a certain amount of money if they want it slated for a building fund we have a cd sitting there for the building fund and we keep adding to it every year but it takes time to get up to that seven hundred thousand that we need oh, yeah that would take me a lifetime <laughs> to get to that. Yeah. we're trying <laughs> Yeah, well, you've got a lot of nice folks in that area, and I'm hoping you've got a lot of volunteers and a lot of support. On the museum's grounds, you've got the internal, but you also have some outbuildings, right? Yes, we do. We have the Big Red Shed, which was actually built to have Big Bud, which was the largest tractor in the world. And he was here for eight years before he took off in 2020. And he moved back to Montana. Oh, wow. And then we've got a one-room schoolhouse, which the 4-H emblem was born at, that we have documentation that that's where the 4-H emblem was from. That's, that's where it was created, right? Yes, yeah, it was created. That's very cool. Yeah, that's quite a story in itself, too. And then we have a windmill up. And a couple of years ago, we added an outdoor learning center. We weren't able to really make use of it uh, last year because of COVID. Um, COVID restrictions. But this year, we hope to have it in use. It is where our horse is. And we're going to have a display out there of buggies and the horse and all that kind of stuff. Well, that's fantastic. I read somewhere that you have about 4,000 visitors in 2020. Yes. I'm wondering if that's up or down due to COVID. We normally have 2,000 visitors a year, 
And that includes the school kids who come during the spring to visit and all that and tours that we offer during the fall and then the open hours that we have that start in Memorial Day and run through Labor Day. Well, when word got out that Big Bud was going back to Montana, I was very centrally located and a lot closer than to Illinois and Ohio and all that than Montana is. So we picked up 2,000 visitors in a six-week period of time. They started coming mid-July, and they quit after Big Bud went. Thank goodness. That's great. Oh, my gosh. We We were tired. We were happy. <laughs> we were excited. The number of people coming just every day was like a hundred something, and we just couldn't believe it. We're so open, though, that people were able to self-distance and get through everything just fine. Well, that's great. That's really great. How about the staff? Did How did they fare with COVID? We went home and took a nap. Yep. <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> So you've got people coming in and and you're taking admission from seeing the museum. It's $12, right? Right. For adults. Right. Ages six through 13 is $6. So you've and got that funding three. coming in and then you've got donations from the public to be donors at the various levels you mentioned. Uh, what other funding models supports the museum? Oh, I will say, too, if people have a non-monetary donation, all they have to do is check in with us to see if it's something that we can use. Oh, good. But our other fundraisers has been, we've done silent auctions, we've done dinners, little things like we ask for, have a free will donation on our programs, but we do count on the Friends of the Museum for the most of it. Well, I'm, I'm hoping that that, you know, keeps up. Do you use Amazon Smile at all? Yeah, we do have that. We started that about a year ago. That if anybody goes to Amazon Smile or Smile.Amazon, they can select Heartland Museum as the donor to receive a monetary gift. It's not much, but, you know, it all works out. And yeah, you it's bet. It's going to get a few dollars from that. I like Amazon Smile because you don't really have to think about donating. Every time you buy something, it goes into some kind of a fund. And I I have no idea what the percentages are or anything, but then it's delivered annually or quarterly or something back to the trust. I I think it's quarterly. And like I said, it might, it's usually under 10 bucks because we don't have a lot of people using it. But like I personally, that's where I go is the Smile Amazon. Heartland also goes to Smile Amazon because we order stuff occasionally. And we get our own money back, which is good. (laughs) That's really good. So listeners, go to Amazon. And if if you can, if you're in the area, if you're a member or a donor to the museum, you know, sign up for Amazon Smile and list the museum as your charity, your preferred charity. And then they will get money from every purchase that you make. Now, do you sell any like bricks? A lot of organizations sell like coins or bricks. I know you said you have a publication you have anything else that you like have a gift shop or something? Yeah, we do have a very nice gift shop. <clears throat> we try to gear it towards what our museum offers. For instance, we've got a lot of the Boyd's Bears that people can purchase. We've got so many, we're starting to give them away to the kids. <laughs> and <laughs> we've got some tractors of different sorts that we've ordered in there sitting in their toy tractors. 
a few books on Iowa, a few butter dishes. Oh, Hagee's sprayers. Hagee's Manufacturing, they do make sprayers, and they're right across the street from us. And we've got the Hagee sprayers for sale. What kind of sprayers? Like like the kind that spray chemicals or something? Yes, yes. Okay. Like corn sprayers? Yeah. That's exactly. Hagee's is now owned by John Deere. We've got the toys that are the gray and gold colors that Hagee's had. And it's something the little boys really like to play with. Yeah, that's neat. (laughs) Yeah. The bricks are painted bricks. They are in our main streets and they're brick shaped and we can paint the name of the person that bought a brick. It's $10. You get your name on it. It's coated with uh, polyurethane type and very sturdy and the name stays on it and you can search for your name. Oh, that's great. So as you're walking around the streets, there's bricks with people's name on it. Correct. That's great. As a remembrance, people probably give that when, you know, if somebody passes away or if they want right. to acknowledge their family or something. Right. Yeah, that's right. Great. There are a lot of in memory of, but there's also just technology of family or the donations that they gave, that kind of things. That's great. Hey, oh, uh, hate to interrupt, Melody, but we need to take our first break for a few okay. minutes. Uh, Listeners, we'll be right back after these important words. Introducing a totally unique experience. The Heartland Museum in Clarion, Iowa where immersive environments, interactive exhibits, and dramatic films take you on an amazing journey of the history of American agriculture and life in the heartland of America. Discover a world where agriculture and patterns of daily life are preserved, with tractors, buggies, main street stores and more. The Heartland Museum really does have something for everyone to enjoy. The heritage they've preserved is yours. Visit heartlandmuseum.org, call 515-602. 6,000, or email heartlandclarion at gmail.com for visitor details, admissions, and hours. You'll be glad you did. Captain, our computer is picking up a strange signal. Here, sir, you better take a look at it. You're listening to MicroStream Radio and Preservation Oaks, the world's only program communicating the value of museums, historical and genealogical societies across the USA. The most interesting show on the planet. This is David Reed, Chief Curator with the Reno County Museum in Hutchinson, Kansas, and I love listening to Preservation Oaks on MicroStream Radio. Hello, no one is available to take your call. Please leave a message after the tone. Ah, hello. Um, good evening, Mr. Martin. It's Hans here. Um, sorry to call you at home, but it's about the new building. The, um, new building we had the grand opening for last month. The $125 million building. Well, you know how we here use the metric system. Obviously. Turns out the engineers don't. So, because of that it appears to be leaning somewhat dramatically. We got jacks and might save it yet, but um, statistically speaking it's unlikely. So please call me back, please. 
Have some unexpected free time coming up soon? Make good use of your free time listening to Preservation Oaks. Soon you'll be able to walk into your Admiral Dealer's store and confidently buy the style radio or radio phonograph you want. The selection of Admiral radios will be complete. There'll be radio phonographs with the famous Admiral exclusive features, Slide Away, that makes loading and unloading your record changer so easy, and the foolproof Admiral automatic record changer. There'll be consoles and table models and newly designed cabinets of fine woods and modern plastics. There'll be farm sets and portables in many styles and sizes including the popular Admiral Bantam, the camera-type radio that operates on alternating current, direct current, or self-contained batteries. There will be new electronic refinements and AM, FM, and shortwave receptions. And now about television. Admiral's extensive research assures television receivers with true Admiral quality. So, whatever you want in radio, you'll find it in an Admiral, America's smart set. You can get a very good idea of what Admiral will offer if you're right for a free copy of the new, full-colored booklet entitled It's a Promise from Admiral. Just write your name and address on a penny postcard and mail it to Admiral in care of this radio station. That's all. Just your name and address mailed to Admiral at this station. And now, back to Preservation Oaks. Welcome back to Preservation Oaks. I'm your host, Sean Thomas Radcliffe, and we're here today with Miss Melody Logger, the president of the board of the Heartland Museum in Clarion, Iowa. For this segment, we focus on the museum's role in the community, what kinds of outreach, events, and education the museum sponsors for the public and their donors. Welcome back, Melody. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. We've learned a lot. Your museum is just fantastic. You're doing things for the kids, and are you doing any 4-H? Yes, I seem to be in constant contact with the um, Wright County Extension office, the 4-H gal there. And probably the last thing we did with them was to, they had a um, Christmas tree donations drop-off site, and they put a Christmas tree up at our site. And they've had a um, field day at the museum that we did not charge for the use of the community room. Like I said, I'm in contact with her on various things. If there's something that we can help with, with 4-H, we definitely do. Oh, that's great. Hey, how did COVID affect the community like Clarion? We did the regular shutdown that was first done in March a couple of years ago. Other than that, you know, it's been the social distancing and, you know, the Restaurants had to close for a good month, and the uh, stylist had to close, and that was hard on all of them. I don't think any of our small towns have really bounced back. We need workers. Oh, my gosh. Every place you go, you see signs looking for people to hire. I have no idea what's going on with that at all. I I cannot figure it out. It just doesn't make sense. The workers were there before. You know, one of the conversations I had was maybe people learn to live with less. Yeah. And mom can stay home with the kids now or something like that. Well, they had to. They were forced to. Well, I don't know about in your state, but in this state, 
you know, they yeah. closed the schools and mom was mom and dad had the classrooms for their kids. Right. Things changed. So I don't know if they're not coming back to work ever, but we could sure use some people with some good Midwestern work values, people that want to work. Um, We also have, you know, hog confinements in the area. We've got chicken laying places in the area. We've got a packing plant. All are located outside the town, so they're not right in your back door. Right. But they're always looking for people to work, too. Oh, of course, yeah. There was a snack restaurant across from us that did. She, the lady decided to retire. And she donated the building, and the landowner donated the land to us. So we've got a plot of land right across from us that is now for parking. But that really wasn't COVID-related. She just decided it was time to retire. Yep. On your board of directors, you're the president of the board. How big is the board? I've got 12 people, including myself right now, six guys and six women. Well, that's great because then you get different perspectives and that's probably what makes your museum so great because it's just got themes within themes and you can just see so much. We have a reputation of being very clean also. Sometimes if you go to some older museums, they might be a bit dusty. It's hard to find any dust. At our museum, maybe if you did the white glove test, you might find some, but (laughs) we have a spring cleanup week. Oh, that's great. Hey, what kind of outreach and education does the museum undertake within the community? What kind of things do you do? We like to provide at least one event every summer month and one or two in the other months, and it's open to the public, Um, usually no cost. We've done the mystery at the museum for a special, the garland donation. Mm-hmm. Uh, indoor cemetery tour was last fall. One room schoolhouses, wait, orphan wait. trains. How, how do you do an indoor cemetery walkthrough? <laughs> well, it was a lot of fun. My other half and I went to every single cemetery in Wright County. We took a picture of the entrance. Okay. We drove through or walked through everyone to see if we could find any interesting stones. And there were some very interesting stones. And then I went and made a PowerPoint of it. Some of the stones were from an early settler or somebody who had passed kind of unusually. The lambs on top of the stones for the children. And then I had a handout on what the different symbols on stones mean, like the Masonic symbol. Um, maybe somebody was in Rotary or JCs. Oh, yeah. People today don't understand those things. Not as much. No, they're just not as in use, but they're, they're out there. It, it was very moving for me personally. It was something else to look at those and envision the life these people may have lived. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. You're looking at the late 1800s on some of these stones, and they're faded, and you hate to see that. And we had information on how to clean stones, and one of the ones was to make sure it was your family and not just clean any stone, because you can damage a stone if you do the wrong type of cleaning. Right, yep. Yeah, we had about um, maybe 35, 40 people to that one, and I invited people to talk, and we talked about how the cemeteries differ in the United States from, say, Italy or somewhere like that, where you actually just rent the plot for a while. And after 10 years, unless you're perpetually paid, they move you out of your plot. You go to the boneyard, I guess. Yeah. It was quite interesting tour anyway. And actually, you can see that on the website. I've got a page for videos. 
Okay. And Mystery at the Museum is there, and the Indoor Cemetery is there. Oh, that's great. I read somewhere that you had a scavenger hunt for the kids. Right. One of the first things I did five years ago was put together a page of a scavenger hunt for the kids to find, and it had pictures. And they were to find that picture and mark that picture off. Okay. And they got to keep the pencil, and we had little stickers and prizes for them. Now, uh, about a year ago, my treasurer, Terry, decided that he had the idea of Heartland has a little lamb. And it was such a great idea. And the board of directors, when we presented it to them, fell in love with the idea. And the board actually bought six little critters, their stuff, and they sit around in Ag Hall for the kids to find. So when the kids come, they get a little poem about Harlan has a little lamb and how he's escaped from his pen. And can you please find him so we can put him back in his pen? <laughs> and the surprise item is a dragon. And there's a dragon sitting there that's going to eat the lamb if we don't find that lamb. So they get pretty excited. They want to go right to Ag Hall and look. And mom and dad are like, oh, my gosh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't get to see anything else because they're too busy looking for these critters. (laughs) Oh, I think that's great. What kind of uh, holiday events do you sponsor holiday? I know the museum's closed for like the winter, or at least I think it is. But do you do Mm -hmm. holiday, Halloween, any of that stuff? Not really. Uh, They used to do a Christmas event. We've kind of gotten away from that. People are so busy. Of course, COVID hit and that put a crimp on something. So we've got a list of things we'd like to do. And who knows, maybe someday things will calm down and we can do a few more things. I hope so. You know, I was just looking at a uh, YouTube video about the 1918-1919 influenza, Spanish influenza. Mm -hmm. And it came in three waves. And it was just like COVID, or it seemed very familiar where it came and it it caused a lot of damage and a lot of deaths. And then the second wave was even bigger. And then the third wave was very small, or at least smaller. And then it went away. And I'm thinking, hey, maybe we're on that same glide path with this thing. That would be great. Wouldn't it? Hey, does your museum publish a newsletter? We do. We have a monthly newsletter. People can go to our website to sign up for the newsletter at www.heartlandmuseum.org. O-R-G. And it's monthly. And I publish it every month, and I try to nice. get it sent out the first of the month. Nice. I do. Oh, last year I had a tractor of the month along with back in the day. And this year I'm doing Hidden Gems, which is something in our museum that people don't know a lot about and highlighting that along with uh, back in the day. Well, yeah, when you're walking through there, you probably, you know, like you mentioned, you find things that, oh, wait, I didn't remember that. So, <laughs> Right. That's a hidden and, gem. Right. And like January, the article was on our historical library which is built in the Frank Lloyd Wright style, a 1930s style. And all handmade oak shelving. It's gorgeous in that library. But we've got a few books on wars that the kids could use if they needed a book to research. Or if you want just a Civil War buff, we've got a stack of Civil War cards. And it's just really something that people don't realize that we have. But it's very interesting. Oh, yeah. Now, in addition to tractors, I thought I saw, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought I saw that you also had 
sort of a military vehicle museum? We have a military vehicle and a room dedicated to the military. Uh, we got an old Jeep that was military colored. And I, my understanding, it was used for the military. But we have a room called, uh, we call it Duty and Honor. Yeah. And it is set aside for our veterans. There's a replica of the USS Iowa. And we've got nice. a uniform from every branch of service except the Coast Guard. We're still waiting to get one of those. We have a wonderful mural of the old guard with um, burial casket being driven behind the horses and the lone horse without a rider uh, from Arlington Cemetery. And uh, I contacted the old guard when we, we got that. And I said, can I have one horseshoe? From one of the horses they sent me a set of four <laughs> so we've got those big horseshoes that the horse is like a percher and cross yeah huge yeah, horses. So, yeah and then we've got you know flasks and canteens and maps and that kind of thing in that room that's really and nice. our veterans my two veterans put that room together oh that's great now uh, with the newsletter back to that sorry i had to digress into the military because <laughs> okay. it, it just hit my mind at that point but uh, with the newsletter, is that how you keep the community or your donors aware of the progress? You put together sort of a plan every year and you say, we want to accomplish these things during this year. And then yes, we do. in the newsletter, you say, here's how we're doing against that plan. Not so much in the newsletter, but the plan we put together is often just something the board uses yeah. as goals for the year. And we don't really make a big deal out of them until they're accomplished. Right. And then we might send out a press release. The Wright County Monitor is great at attending our events or publishing press releases I send to them. We send press releases out to almost every place in the state in case they're interested in posting anything. We use Facebook for more up-to-the-minute things and to remind people of events. All right, yep. We've got our website that people can go to and learn a lot. And then we've got our newsletter that comes out once a month that's more recognizing our donors and historical stuff. Fantastic. Now, right. I also read that you have a community room and people can rent that. Yes, they can. Our community room seats about 250. Okay. And, you know, it's a nice large size. And one of the things like graduations uh, several kids might oh, yeah. rent the room for a graduation, come and go, and that helps with their cost. It's 125 minimum cost for uh, groups up to 50, and then we charge more depending on the amount of people they're having. Nice. Does it have a kitchen? Yes, there is a small kitchen with a sink and a stove and a refrigerator. And with a freezer, so people can put stuff in there. That's like perfect then, for anything, yeah. almost. And yeah, and then we've got a stage. And as part of the rental, they can use the stage. We've got a PA system, an overhead projector, oh, that's cool. all that wonderful stuff, the screen. Um, we've got a larger screen TV that people can plug stuff into. And a band can set up easily on the stage. And there's a dance floor. Part of the floor is vinyl instead of carpet <laughs> boy anything could go on there from civic mm -hmm. meetings to wedding it you know wedding uh, receptions Weddings. all that stuff it's funny you mentioned that my niece actually got married there oh fantastic and had a reception there 
Yep, that's uh, it's probably a perfect space. Is it always booked? How hard is it to get a booking? Um, not too hard, but it's good to check in a little bit early if you know something big is coming up, like a wedding or graduation. Uh, right now, it's rented every Monday through the first half of the year okay. by a group. And then the hospital uses it occasionally for larger meetings. Um, auctioneers for land auctions come in and use that site. Oh, yeah. And have an auction there. And it's just, it's whatever within reason because we don't serve alcohol. We prefer to have alcohol outside the building if there's yeah. going to be any, but business meetings are usually fine. Oh, that's great. Now, you mentioned that there's a research area and it's modeled after Frank Lloyd Wright of the 1930s. Right. That's our library. Yep. It's a, historical library now people can come to that and read or people can do research there for yes like genealogy um, stuff yes whatever um, they want to find i don't i'm not going to say we have a lot but there's little tidbits here and there that might be of interest to them for instance we've got all the clarion high school books back through i think 1908 is probably the first one we are missing a few years but we've got a lot of them so if grandma graduated in 1910, we may have a picture of her kind of thing. Oh, that's nice. We've got, I do research for people. In fact, I just got done this morning on some, a lady wanted to know about grave sites. And I had the information and a bio on her great, 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 great grandfather, two greats. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. So always fun. We are open Memorial Day through Labor Day. We okay. open at 10 o'clock in the morning and are open till 4 with the last admission at 2 p.m., Monday through Saturday. Okay. And then on we're open Saturdays, 10 to 4 in September. And the rest of the year, we just ask for an appointment. Okay, Please yep. call us or send us an email, and we will set up an appointment time that you can work with. And we'll have one of our volunteers there to let you in and... We'll give you the tour. Oh, that's great. Now, volunteers, speaking of volunteers, what kinds of volunteer opportunities does the museum? Do you have volunteer cleaners and volunteer researchers? Our volunteers are our greeters is or tour guides, whichever. Okay. And um, cleaning, we have a janitor on staff, and he takes care of that. I do most, if not all, the research. Our volunteers, we ask if they can work from 10 to 1 or 1 to 4. They can select which shift they want. They can select what days they want. They can work once during the summer or every week. We're just happy to have them. Oh, yeah. Being a volunteer, you yourself get to see everything in the museum. Oh, right. Yep. Yeah, we used to take every group around and explain everything to them. I like taking people around through the main street areas. And then once I get to Ag Hall, you're on your own. Because most of the tractors have a placard with them that explains what the tractor is. And they can go Ag Hall by themselves. And then when they come out, I find them again and make sure, see if they got any questions and all that. That's really nice. You mentioned that there are a number of little towns in Wright County. And right. many of those little towns or several of them might have their own museum. Do right. you interface with those folks to, you know, stay aware of what they're doing or do they have artifacts in the 
Heartland Museum or what about state, county, regional organizations? What kind of relationships do you have there is what I'm trying to ask. <laughs> well, I basically know some of the people that are at the other museums, but as far as working back and forth, it would be if they need something or I need something, we might contact each other. Right. Belmont probably has the best museum after ours. They've got a lot of history in theirs. That's interesting. And I, uh, we belong to several organizations, Silos and Smokestacks. Okay. And the Iowa Museum Association. Interesting books. Has your museum published any books? We only have published a 4-H cookbook. Okay. In 1971, the 4-H Older Youth had a cookbook out as a fundraiser. In 1977, they did the same thing. Somebody had the idea of combining those two books, and somehow that became my project. So (laughs) (laughs) I copied every recipe out of those two books. I laid them out on my dining room table and made sure I didn't have any duplicates. And we combined those two years, and they're for sale in our gift shop or by mail. In the gift shop, we sell them for 20 bucks, and the mail, we ask for 25 to cover cost of mailing. Yep. And they're just good old family recipes. I mean, they're recipes that you can pick up, and there's tater tot casserole, yep. you know, yep. <laughs> the Minnesota hot dish or whatever. But Down-home comfort food. They are meatloaf. Yeah, yeah. That's the best kind of food there is. You're right. I want to mention your website real quick. Um, The Heartland Museum is available on Facebook, of course, but you can also find them on the web at heartlandmuseum.org. Of course, they're in Clarion, Iowa. Their email is heartlandclarion at gmail.com. Phone number is 515-602-6000. What kinds of things, you know, if I'm in another state and I'm thinking about visiting near Clarion and I really want to go see the Heartland Museum, what kinds of things can I do on the museum's website? Well, we have pictures and descriptions of some of our exhibits, just enough to whet your appetite. We've got videos on there, like the Mystery at the Museum is there and the Indoor Walking Cemetery Tour is there. You can subscribe to our monthly newsletter. We have a blog, and the blog is historical information from the previous newsletters. Okay. There's a link to Clarion High School newsletters from 1928 through 1929. Wow. A link for our donation form. There's a link for our community rental form, information on our gift shop, information on where to stay. We've got a couple hotels in town. And we also, once you get to the museum, we have a little shopping guide that you can use to go find our local shops that you might want to stop at. Nice. As far as priority initiatives at the museum for this next year, you know, what do you want your donors to know, you know, to, to give, you know, generously to um, fulfill this priority initiative? What's, what's high on your list? Well, for me, the priority would be the new building. Um, We just cannot offer the 60s and 70s until we have more space and we our rooms are kind of full ag hall is a little bit crowded and it would be nice to space out the tractors and have more space to put them that for me is what we need to concentrate on but that being said i know it's expensive and from there it's just a matter of displaying our what we have to the best of our ability so listeners if you want to help Please donate liberally um, because they need more space. Um, 
They need more space for artifacts. You know, if you have any doubts at all about whether you want to donate, go and visit um, because it's a wonderful place. Even, you know, and I haven't visited, but I've seen what's on the web, you know, and some of the things they have to offer. And it's just really amazing what they've been able to do. Melody, what are your thoughts about how best to keep the community support flourishing, you know, generation after generation? The kids love the museum when they come. Um, we host sixth graders every spring except last spring. Look, they spend a day at the museum, and we have them do old-fashioned things like board games, um, weaving, rope-making, nice. games that the kids would have played in the one-room schoolhouse. The chalkboards, little chalkboards they used, we have a school marm come in and you know, we try to make it authentic for them so they know what their great-grandparents had. And a lot of them bring their iPads and film stuff as they go through. Last year, we had the seventh graders. Clarion Goldfield Dow's school called us and says, can you host this? And we said, sure. We had the seventh graders do generation interviews with people. And so they paired up seventh graders with people like myself, a little bit younger, a little bit older, and we answered questions for the kids. And after that, they went to the main streets of the museum. We gave them just a quick little oversight and said, come back and see us again. And I guess once they got on the bus, they could not stop chattering about the oh, whole day. Oh, yeah. yeah, they had like an hour with us or an hour and a half. And oh, they were excited. So that really makes me feel good that they're so interested in them. Well, that's so important to help a, help a child know that they don't have to be afraid of an older person, you know, they, and they can learn quite a bit. A lot, yes. of, a lot of children don't know that. Right. And it's so much fun taking the kids around. The adults, they kind of know about stuff. But for instance, we've got an old, I want to say 1940, 50 refrigerator. Yeah. And I'll open that refrigerator and I says, okay, tell me where they kept their pizza in this refrigerator. <laughs> And the kids look at it, and they look at me, and I go, guess what? We didn't have pizza. That's right. And they were like, what? (laughs) I said, this little thing here is the freezer, and no way would a pizza fit in there. And they agree with that. But when we tell them we didn't have pizzas in the 50s up through about the 60s, they're just bored. So that sets the tone for the rest of the day. That's really nice. Well, Melody, it's time for us to take our second break for a few minutes. All right, listeners, we'll be right back after these important words. Heartland Museum in Clarion, Iowa. For over two decades, the museum's mission has been to preserve and celebrate agricultural life in Wright County and Iowa. Learn more about your museum at heartlandmuseum.org and join them in accomplishing the mission. The Heartland Museum in Clarion, Iowa. The heritage they've preserved is yours. Visit heartlandmuseum.org, call 515-602-6000 or email heartlandclarion at gmail.com for more details admissions, and hours. There is something for everyone. This is Bruce McEwen, the chieftain of the Caledonian Society of Hawaii, and I love listening to Preservation Oak and Microstream Radio. 
Thank you for listening to Preservation Ops. If you're a member of a museum, historical or genealogical society that has not yet been featured as a guest on our program, please let them know to contact preservationoaks at gmail.com. We welcome everyone. Thank you. We're spending a lot more time at home. Mike binged watched every episode he could fit into his mind. Betsy has painted her kitchen and dining room seven times. Natalie is saving the plastic bread wrapper holders. She has a plan to melt them down to make a new back scratcher. Melissa ate the entire contents of her freezer. Terry uses his virtual reality headset to escape into the microscopic world of dust mites. Yep, lockdowns are no fun, and the longer this goes on, the crazier it's going to get. Stay sane or come back to reality by listening to Preservation Oaks to make the most of life at home during the lockdown. We give you a steady dose of interesting information and reality. How did the county you live in get its name? How can you volunteer and spend your free time helping your local museum, historical, or genealogical society? How was the 1918 flu pandemic similar to today's COVID-19 pandemic 100 years later? How do archivists spend their time? With a bit of imagination, history can be a time machine. The more you learn, the wiser you'll get. To make the most of your time at home, visit preservationoaks.podbean.com. At Preservation Oaks, we love history. Not dry boring dates and facts, but rather the stories of the past about the people who were there. We believe history is our cultural fabric. We are very grateful for our historical and genealogical society guests sharing history and information about their society, their current needs, and about what makes them unique. If you're a historical or genealogical society listening to Preservation Oaks, and you'd like to be a guest on the program, please email preservationoaks at gmail.com. Again, that's preservationoaks at gmail.com. Listeners, thank you for listening. You can comment anytime about the show or send suggestions by emailing preservationoaks at gmail.com. Thank you. Welcome back to Preservation Oaks. We're here today with Melody Logger, the president of the board from the Heartland Museum in Clarion, Iowa. This is our last segment of the program, and we are learning so much. One of the things I've learned is that the museum and its associated exhibits and buildings really does have something for everyone visiting the museum. Listeners, if you are anywhere close to the Heartland Museum in Clarion, Iowa, do yourself a favor and visit. Uh, Melody, welcome back. Thanks. Glad to be back. I want to ask, why is the museum important to the community? So I know why it's important nationally, and it's very important to have this history preserved in central Iowa, in the Middle West. But why is it important to the community, and what makes it unique to the area? I think we're the only museum that I know of that offers all the things that we offer. We're the only one with the one-room schoolhouse that the 4-H emblem was born in. We've got a lot of tractors, and they are different brands that people might not get to see other places. Yeah. For the community, bringing in, oh, let's say a 1,000-plus people every year, there's the chance that these people are going to eat in Clarion. They may drive to another town to look at stuff. They may do some shopping. So, you know, I consider it important to us. Absolutely. 
Plus, it keeps history alive. Right. Now, do you have school children? I know you've got school children that visit from, let's say, Clarion. But do right. you have school children from, you know, 50 miles Eagle away Grove, or any of that? Eagle Grove and Webster City came in a few years. And again, not last year, but the years before, they would take up a couple of days. Oh, that's nice. I didn't know how long of a bus trip, you know, it would be from somewhere in another county or something like that, right? Well, it can be, uh, Webster City is about 30 miles away at the most. Okay. So not a long bus trip. We are 30 miles approximately off of Interstate 35. People can come up 35 or over on Interstate 20 and get to us within 15, 20 minutes of the interstates. Nice. Is there any other information or message you'd like your community or museum friends uh, or donors of the museum to know about? We've really hit on it that we are unique, that we think we got something for everybody to see, that we enjoy our visitors very much, and we try to change things up every year to keep our exhibits fresh. We welcome volunteers to help in any way they would like, and we welcome donations but best yet, come see us. Yeah, really. And go to heartlandmuseum.org. You can see, uh, you know, pictures there of some of the exhibits and the streets, uh, the main streets. Um, and it's just wonderful. It's like walking into another world. It's like going back in time. It's just a really nice, really clean environment that you can learn a lot. Well, unfortunately, Melody, we've run out of time for this episode. Okay. Thank you for spending the time with us today. I've had a great time, and I'm really glad to meet you. It's really eye-opening to learn how much the Heartland Museum does for the area, how much uh, the museum has to share with visitors, and how effective it is at telling the stories of agriculture and, you know, the eras that you guys cover and that you aspire to cover. So please come back anytime. Thank you and stay safe. Okay, thank you very much. And with that, we conclude our time with our guest, Melody Lager, the president of the board of the Heartland Museum. Listeners, please stay tuned for my comments and wrap-up coming up next. You're listening to Preservation Oaks on MicroStream Radio. If you enjoy the show, then please tell all your friends, family, neighbors, pals, business associates, colleagues, and maybe a couple of enemies about the show. Stay tuned for more episodes at www.preservationoaks.podbean.com. We thank you so much for spreading the love. And we're back to share my comments and wrap up. You know, it's always interesting meeting our guests and learning about their unique organizations. Without exception, so far in this series of episodes, the guests are intelligent, concerned about their community, their members and donors, and very keenly aware of the mission they're on. Melody Lager is another example of the unique kind of person who has the attributes needed to lead an organization like the very large museum, which is the Heartland Museum, into the future. I hope you folks in Wright County and Clarion understand how lucky you are. We began this episode recognizing Martin Luther King's accomplishments, his legacy, and our national holiday. He was truly the right man for the times and called by God to do the work that changed our nation for the better. Then we reviewed a few interesting facts and January birthdays. 
We then met Melody Lager and discussed the Heartland Museum, its mission, its priorities, and its impact on the communities in Wright County and its donors. We learned that the Heartland Museum is a very diverse and unique regional museum. Melody was kind enough to provide an overview of the museum, letting us know that it maintains a collection of antique restored tractors and farm machinery, horse-drawn farm equipment and buggies, farm and construction toys, a recreation of main streets in the Victorian age, the 1930s and 1950s. That includes a tribute to Alvina Sellers, who was known as the Iowa Hat Lady. We learned from Melody how the town of Clarion was originally laid out. According to Melody, Clarion is the only county seat in the country that is in the exact middle of the county. Melody also provided us with an overview of the other towns in Wright County. The museum was started in 1999 by five different diverse groups that banded together in the interest of the community and preserving Clarion heritage. The museum continues its mission and growth into 2022. Melody shared that the highest priority at this time for the museum is a new building, the cost of which is pretty high, but the museum is out of space. In order to increase the history preserved in the museum, another building is needed. Please donate to this worthy cause. Melody mentioned the following events being planned for this year. An open house murder mystery based on a murder that occurred in Clarion in the late 1800s. This is being planned for May 2022. Two new exhibits are being installed and Melody is planning a weekend extravaganza to share these with the public and donors. The museum has a new mannequin horse that will be used to harness to buggies. That horse needs a name, and so the museum will sponsor a Name That Horse contest. Get your kids involved and help name the horse. There are several presentations being planned on barns, the Civil War, and geocaching. I bet you didn't know that the museum has a site used by the public for geocaching. Just connect with the museum to have some fun using that resource. Melody shared the experience of having two to three finished cowhides show up on the front door of the museum. To this day, she doesn't know who left them, but she said thank you to whomever left them. They're beautiful and being used with the buggies. There is a cutter snow sled buggy made by the Garland Company in the museum's collection. As far as anybody knows, it's the only one in the country and very beautiful. Melody shared some of the history of this piece during the episode. This is important. When you visit the museum, plan on an afternoon, then have lunch in town before heading home. The museum is large, and the artifacts many and interesting. There's also several buildings on the grounds outside the main museum to see, and a gift shop. Something else we learned that's very cool the town of Clarion is where the 4-H emblem and the 4-H club started in the United States. The museum has the one-room schoolhouse there where it all began that you can see. The museum does a number of fun and interesting fundraiser events. Please connect with the museum if you can help with these. You can also use smile.amazon.com to automatically donate to the museum every time you shop. Right now, not a lot of people use it in the area. Please sign up to help raise the funds for the new building. 
The museum has bricks available for a nominal donation, which are then embedded into the main streets of the museum. Very nice. And according to Melody, they last a long time. Melody mentioned that in the county, there is a shortage of workers. The museum needs volunteers. Please give them a call and volunteer. It's a great feeling when you give your time to a worthy cause. She described completing an indoor cemetery walkthrough. Now, this is something that I hadn't heard of before, uh, but it's something really unique. It's a presentation reviewing every cemetery in Wright County and the interesting graves in them. They review what the symbols on the stones mean and how to properly clean the stones. That walkthrough is available on the www.heartlandmuseum.org website in the video section. The museum does a lot of work with school children to help teach them their own history and culture. Melody described several great learning adventures designed for children to have fun at the museum. Melody and I briefly discussed the COVID pandemic and its impact on Wright County, the museum, and Clarion. Melody publishes a newsletter each month. You can sign up to receive it via email on the museum's website. She described the research center, which is beautifully adorned in Oakwood in the 1930s Frank Lloyd Wright style. Melody reviewed the community room with seating for approximately 250 people. It has a kitchen and many other amenities, which makes it perfect for almost any event or function. Just connect with the museum to rent the space. There is so much to see at the museum that we didn't have time to review at all. If any listeners are anywhere near Clarion, Iowa, I recommend planning a trip to visit this fantastic resource. The folks in Clarion and Wright County are so lucky to have this jewel in their county, preserving their history, values, and culture, and then sharing it for the benefit of the county's residents of all ages. This is really a treasure. The museum will also do genealogy research for people. Just connect with them via their website contact information. The museum is open all week and including Saturdays from Memorial Day through Labor Day. The rest of the year, you need to call to make an appointment to complete the tour. If you're a listener in the area the museum serves and you're not already a donor, then please consider donating and supporting them. They are out of space and need to build a new building in order to preserve and offer more for the county. I hope this episode helps the audience understand how valuable the museum is to the community and what kinds of excellent exhibits they have to offer their donors and the public. The Heartland Museum is preserving and conserving the history of daily life in the area and so much more. I think you'll agree the Heartland Museum is truly one of our nation's preservation oaks. Now, you can contact the museum. First of all, they have a Facebook page, so you can find Heartland Museum or Clarion Museum on Facebook. You can also go to their website, which is www.heartlandmuseum.org. And their address is 119 Southwest 9th Street, PO Box 652, Clarion, Iowa, 50525. Their phone number is 515-602-6000. And you can email them anytime at heartlandclarion at gmail.com. I want to thank you all for listening during 2021. It's been a blast. 
In so many ways, personally, 2021 was a very rewarding year. Thank you all for supporting us all the way. We have to thank the guests that have appeared on our program for sharing their worlds, their needs, and how they benefit the communities they serve. I appreciate each and every listener and guest. With every episode, our team and the listeners expand our knowledge of this country and the fantastic organizations that are continually doing so much excellent work. Each organization provides a unique spark that ignites our energy and motivation to continue moving forward with the program. So thank you all so much. Okay, that's a wrap for this episode. Music used today is from Scott Holmes, Symbol Bird, Aaron Kenny, Of Shane, Emmett Fenn, Track Tribe, and Justice League. Microstream Radio is a registered trademark. This broadcast is owned and copyrighted by Microstream Radio. It cannot be rebroadcast, downloaded, copied, or used anywhere without the written permission of Microstream Radio. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I know you had a good time with this episode. Drop me a comment to preservationoaks at gmail.com. This is Sean Thomas Radcliffe. See you all next time on Preservation Oaks. <laughs>